Zoom is basically bringing applications and paid for events to its video uh, meeting service. And so they're allowing uh, people, they're going to allow people to host paid for events where they can charge people to attend. It only benefits the platform because what they're doing is building up a huge subscriber base through the content creators and the content creators have to have their unique codes to sign up. Um, and how is your Quibi experience going? I've never downloaded it. I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of counting a download. We, we, used to, we used to accuse Hallmark of creating holidays. Talk about Amazon just one-upping uh, everyone and creating what is now a billion-dollar event. I mean, that's, I mean, that's amazing. Talk about like giving $10 and receiving like 60x. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. My name is Gorsha Huchua, and I'm joined by my partner, Alex McNamara. Hey, Alex. Hey, Gorsha. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. What are we having for our beverages today? Uh, I have a uh, Coasters IPA. It's from a brewery called Cointos, not too far away from here, and it is absolutely delicious. An Oregon brewery. Oregon Brewery, indeed. Yep, a small yeah. one, homemade. Sweet. And I'm doing the Sierra Nevada Oktoberfest, and I am loving every sip of it. Um, this is not an ad for beer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this is our weekly ad talk edition of the show, and it's a format where we discuss news and events in the world of marketing that we found to be the most interesting. We invite you to send us your thoughts and questions via LinkedIn and Instagram. And we promise we'll soon have a website live with all the previous recordings of the show, as well as uh, some of our thoughts and ruminations and ways to interact with us. Now let's get on with the show. And the first thing, which I think is quite timely given that we are recording this show over Zoom, is the evolution of a platform like Zoom and the advent of these new platforms um, that are basically uh, evolving to become monetization platforms for event producers, fitness instructors, et cetera, et cetera. And it's kind of funny that you and I both separately um, saw articles about this today that kind of uh, mm -hmm. showed how this push into um, digitizing events is really taking, um, digitizing events and digitizing um, gatherings, I guess, is really uh, being taken to the next level by these platforms concurrently. So I'll speak about Zoom, but I wanna hear about um, the one that you also brought up because I think that their model is really interesting. Um, I read today that Zoom yeah. is basically bringing applications and paid for events to its video me uh, meeting service in a bid to consolidate its grip on the huge new audience that flocked to it during the pandemic. And what they're doing basically is uh, launching uh, a marketplace called OnZoom where anyone can promote and sell virtual events um, and this service is, I guess, being tested now and being um, really like um, uh, rolled out in full uh, next year, which is kind of interesting because obviously uh, companies have been sort of people, companies, uh, nonprofits, organizations have been sort of using Zoom and Zoom-like platforms all this year during the pandemic to replicate the thing that's been gone, which is in-person yeah. events. And it's by the consensus that it hasn't really been all that great, right? Like it's it's just missing elements of it. 
But I guess it's become popular enough that um, Zoom felt like they need to really lean into this. And so they're allowing uh, people, they're going to allow people to host paid for events where they can charge people to attend, I guess, right through the platform. There's going to be uh, integrations for third-party apps that uh, they're calling Zaps, Zoom apps. <laughs> I, 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 they probably spent zero time thinking of thinking that. Money for that one. Um but yeah, they unveiled the plan to turn itself into a platform for other apps, uh, and the applications would bring extra features to this uh, uh, to the video meetings to make them more useful. Uh, for instance, making it easier for a group of workers to organize and share ideas in advance of the meetings and coordinate any follow-ups. So it's interesting. I mean, that seems like a natural evolution. I wonder if it's going to be relevant for the post-pandemic world, which I hope is coming sooner than later. Um, but I know that you separately read up on um, a different uh, take on sort of this this step. Uh, I'd love to hear about um, that because I think it centers more on things like fitness instructors and uh, uh, yeah. kind of like more smaller smaller gatherings. Well, I think on the Zoom one, what I what I think is interesting is that trying to cut out the middleman of like the event brights because people were hosting events on Zoom, but they were um organizing them and getting the ticket sales through eventbrite so they'd be you know sign up they pay the 15 bucks 30 bucks 100 bucks whatever it was for the meeting the seminar whatever right. and all that money would be you know zoom's just trying to like take a cut of that but like you're hosting everything on our platforms you know we might as well create the payment functionality so you don't even have to go through a, another third party but uh, i think the the idea that you can um you can have a um, like the the zaps to help like specifically workers to you know, work more easily. Um, there's another service um, which allows everyone to log into basically a remote desktop where you can host a PowerPoint presentation mm -hmm. and everyone is able to control that presentation. So me and you could be working on slides at the same time in the same PowerPoint and we could have other people remote come in to view the presentation once we finished it, but we could both control it. So mm -hmm. what I what it could do is like take out of take out the issue of Zoom clicking and one person clicking for everyone else. So right. I, I thought that was really interesting. But the one that you you referenced, uh, playbook. I saw it today. Um, one of my friends got accepted to be an instructor on that, but they're essentially taking Patreon and uh, making it specifically for teaching um and i think the person who founded it who seems to be the face of it um he's a celebrity training instructor personal personal trainer mm -hmm. um he there's basically you go in there you record the videos on your phone for freshness as they say um so it's all like very much like you can do it yourself you can record yourself doing the moves set the routine for like a 30 minute workout you can even set the time lengths for the beeps for you know circuit training mm -hmm. um but what i thought was really interesting so i did a little little reading on it because i was like this is really cool um it's a great way for a patreon style um uh access to instructors but they've netflix defied it that's mm -hmm. a word so you're you pay 15 bucks now. a month and you get access to the whole suite of content creators on there and like that's really interesting because you're not just subscribing Patreon style to one person to get their content. You're subscribing to the app to get everyone's content. 
which um which is great for the subscriber on the flip side the creators get paid basically on the subscribers that they bring in to the app so you know if i create content for for you know my you know now i'm an athlete with my peloton i create fitness content um and i bring in you know i could have tens of thousands of of viewers but if i'm only bringing in um you know 20 people as subscribers and that's it i'm only going to get paid on their 80 percent of their subscriptions mm. which is so, really so wait hold on so like basically if so, if if a bunch of other people brought other subscribers in and those subscribers then end up viewing your content you get nothing nothing you get nothing but you only get for the subscribers. So it's basically it's basically an, an affiliate program that benefits uh, the <laughs> yeah. platform. It only benefits the platform. It only benefits the platform because what they're doing is building up a huge subscriber base through the content creators and uh -huh. the content creators have to have their unique codes to sign up. I imagine if you get, if you go there and you sign up without it, they will, leave, they will love that even more because that is like basically 100% free money for them because then they created the app they're not creating any content they're making all of the content creators get everyone to sign up um through their codes and then they pay them a, a 80 percent of that and i think that's insane i mean we'll see we'll see what the uptake is i i, I can imagine that for the creators balancing you know, balancing potentially getting access to a lot of viewers. Well, here, I guess that's the question I have is if you're a creator and you're only being incentivized for the people that you bring in, then yeah. why bring them onto this platform? Not Why not just bring them on to like Zoom or something yeah. else, you or know, Patreon like or Patreon even... or, or YouTube yeah. or, you know, and I see, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at their site. Clearly they are designing it for fitness instructors. So um, there will be things um, tools available to allow them to program their workouts, but man, it just doesn't seem like uh, like someone's going to read through that pretty quick. I think I think for users, they basically took the um, the Peloton model and was yeah. like, you get access to all of these great instructors. For the creators, though, it sounds pretty shitty because you're incentivized to bring people to the app, then you lose control over all of the people that you bring there. So you have to stay on there to get, and they, they have to stay on there to get, to get paid. So. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, I mean, turnkey definitely, but. Um, it's very turnkey. You go in there, you can do, you're ready to go. You, you can put up a video in like 10 minutes. All right. Well, um, we'll see. I think, I think this is going to be an interesting space to watch. Um, I could uh, see other pockets of, um, underserviced sort of industries, music being one and concerts and performers and theater. Um, I don't think there's been really a good um, platform for that. And I just sort of wonder, will there be something, um, you know, not to go on a tangent, but I remember pre-pandemic with movie theaters being still open, obviously. Um, you could go, uh, there usually would be like a dedicated screen in like a multiplex reserved for like great performances and they would stream live streams from like the greatest theaters of the world, um, you know, ballet or yeah. opera or whatever. And 
um, clearly people who didn't have access to those in person, like in New York or London or wherever they, you know, my mom uh, was a pretty avid fan of, of going and watching that on a big screen. So I wonder if some, if there will be a service that gets spun up uh, for this, for people to watch these things from home and give performance performers, Broadway, West End performers, um, a chance to um, make some money um, on yeah, screens on, on screens at people's homes. And if it's going to be something that's more Netflix-like than maybe Zoom-like, so people can watch it on a big screen and also pay for it and also you know have a variety of content to choose from. I think those that are those industries are crying out for services like this. I'd be curious to hear from our yeah. listeners if there's something like this exists that we should explore and talk about on the next show. Speaking of uh, cinemas, um, did you see the news of Disney? They are going to focus all of their content on streaming for the near future, uh, which does not really come as a surprise. Um, this kind of taps into what we talked about last time with you saying cinema is dead, long live cinema. Um, but I thought it was, I mean, it's, it's, it makes sense um, in that no one really is going to go back to the cinema for the near future because of all the reasons we've already discussed. But for a studio to come out and say, you know, we're going to focus on the at-home experience, at-home streaming content, we're going to really put our efforts into the Disney Plus egg basket. Uh, I thought it was quite a quite a big move for um, for you know the LA based studios or the studios in general. Yeah, Disney has the luxury of declaring that. I read in 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 the same story that their parks business is, I mean, clearly suffering a lot. Uh, their traditional yeah. and business, I mean, they're they're such a huge company that there clearly will be parts that are suffering a lot. But I, you know, they're they're lucky in that they and smart and that they scale Disney Plus to the um, to the to to the scale that they did before the pandemic hit. So they have that audience. I don't see an alternative for them. You know, I read today that um, AMC Theaters is um, they have cash to last until the end of the year. And that's the largest, yeah. second largest uh, chain. They own uh, Odeon in, in the UK. They, you know, the AMC chain here in the US. And we know about Regal. So I don't know what's going to yeah. um, happen to this traditional movie market. Disney, Disney is smart for doing this, but they're probably also looking at not a lot of options. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's pretty much the only option um, if you want to push out content. You want to make money from your core business, which is making making movies, making shows. The new Mandalorian comes out soon, which is great. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. So, looking forward to it. They, I mean, that's how they got me hooked the first time. I watched the Mandalorian, watched nothing else. I've had it for nine months. <laughs> great. What, what, so, what are they? What are they charges? That I, I thought they were a little cheaper it's than like the other ones. Seven seven bucks a month. Seven bucks a month. Um, and it's I think it's only Disney content, which is quite a backlog of of content. It, isn't it Disney and ESPN Plus and Hulu and like a bunch of other stuff? You can get that for like 13 a month, which I've got Hulu through Spotify. I've got all these like deals. Hulu through Spotify with ads, um, but I don't have ESPN. So I do want to sign up for that um, when uh, I lose access to the communal TV, which has everyone's logins for everything is all on the same TV now. So it's like the, it's like the cable box of TVs at the moment with streaming services. Um, and how is your Quibi experience going? My Quibi experience is going exactly as it was before 
which is um, watching the news and ranting and laughing at them. Have so, you have you actually opened the app once? I've never downloaded it. I'm not going to give them the satisfaction of counting a download. But I did see that they had the lot the the most downloads in a month in September, and that was 900,000 downloads. What I didn't see was any indication of signups, conversions, and retention. So goes kind of goes back to the the you know the our mobile performance days where you can buy downloads for for nothing you can spend millions of dollars you can you know really push up your your install rate and and claim victory there but if as i saw in the news um they're str- they're losing you know they're convert sorry they're converting 8% of of their free trial members are now for 30 days of free trial to convert only 8% that is terrible. Their content That's is fact. just their their content just doesn't hold you. Uh, I have access to them through uh, the T-Mobile T-Mobile thing. Basically, if you're a T-Mobile subs- uh, subscriber, you get Quibi for free and you get Netflix for free. I wonder uh, how much Quibi be paying for T-Mobile for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like talk about volume a volume deal, and still, I mean, T-Mobile kind of gave up on them before they even started promoting them. I, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> you could just tell T-Mobile wasn't excited about it anymore when they send this through. But um, I checked it out and the content is, it's just, yeah, it's just it's a, fine. You know, it's, it's, it's not even fine. It's just, it's, it's really average. And um, they, they don't like the design, the experience doesn't hold you the way that Netflix has figured out how to hold you. Like, I feel like I can open the Netflix app and I'll end up watching something because they've created this yeah. cinematic experience of just the previews alone. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Well, I think, I think Quibi also, they tried to, um, th- they wanted to be known for their own content and they just didn't, they, I think they either made too much too fast or they didn't, they didn't think about what they were making and they were just trying to go for range and volume of content and they just, they just missed the mark. Like yeah. the only one that I want to know because I've seen so many ads for it is the Hemsworth show. Is that worth watching, Gorsha? Did you did you tune into ten minutes of your Quibi experience for that? Or, I mean, I'm sure Chris Hemsworth is worth watching for more than ten minutes, and Quibi only gives you ten. So <laughs> um, I'm not going to I'm not going to be you know shortchanged on my Hemsworth yeah. experience. Yeah. Especially on the small screen, you want that. You want that on a big screen. I mean, I can't imagine that he fits on the small screen. So you're right. <laughs> yeah. Even when you rotated sideways, solving a problem that does not exist. Well, vertically, <laughs> it's vertical. Solving no, for the re- for the record, I did no not even one... know. I did not even know that he had a show on there. But um, that goes along with most of the sub prime shows that um, I didn't know exist on it. I don't really care to know. I wanted to talk since it's uh, we're recording this on the second. Uh, day of Amazon Prime Day. Uh, I wanted to touch on that for a second. Yeah, because it is it draws you in, man. Talk we we used to we used to accuse Hallmark of creating holidays talk about Amazon just one upping uh, everyone and creating what is now a billion dollar event. And it's insane. uh, It's 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 insane. And I started getting uh, emails from um, brands I guess products from whom I've I've bought before telling me, hey, we're going to be offering all yeah. of these deals on on Prime Day, 
it's 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 absolutely ridiculous. Um, you know, I did cave in. I um I bought a drone. Um, you bought a drone? I bought Which a drone. One? It's the DJI. Um, it's, oh, it, it was hundred. Is that on deal? It's a hundred bucks off. Yeah. Okay, send me the link. I've been looking for one, and if it's on there, I'm gonna probably gonna buy one. Dude, it's uh, I was like, I saw it yesterday. I'm like, there is no way I'm buying that drone this morning. <laughs> this morning, I'm like, <laughs> before I have my first cup of coffee and and no better, I'm gonna buy that drone. So it draws a unit. It completely does. It's it's a horrible experience as always. Amazon um is is terrible for discovering stuff because so it's bad. basically just like. I feel like in the olden days, if Amazon was started in medieval times, uh, there would be just a giant barn filled to the brims with just random stuff. And uh, and somehow you would be incentivized to go and find the thing that you didn't know you were looking for and buy it. Like in terms of product discovery, Amazon is not the platform that I would turn to. But man, Prime Day, um, as as someone who works in sort of omni-channel retail, it's something that has forced us, and we know that we. I mean, I know I, I know it's forced other players in in the retail space to significantly significantly accelerate their Black Friday Cyber Monday timelines, where everyone yeah. now is going to go live earlier. So, uh, what's your take? I mean, this this is this kind of this is a phenomenon that exists elsewhere. I know in China there is the Singles Day, which is completely owned yeah. by I believe Alibaba, right? Yeah. But yeah. like, what's what's your take on this whole thing? I mean, they 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 they've been running it for what like ten years or so, but I feel like this year is is the first year that has been sort of so big that other brands have taken notice. Because before it was like, yeah, Prime Day, you get deals, cool. Everyone else is like, yeah, whatever. Amazon has deals, price fluctuates all the time. It's a marketplace. We're not too worried about it. But this year. I have had multiple um, multiple brands send me saying, oh, you think that's Prime Day? You think that's Prime? Come and look at this Prime deal. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Every, I mean, to get everyone else to adopt your language on the days that you have de- dedicated for deals and to run deals to compete is impressive. But also um, what you said about product discovery I walked into the Amazon front doors and I was like, hey, prime deals, hit me up. I'm here to spend some money. Let's see what you got. You know, everything I've bought for the last, you know, ever. 15 years, ever, every, you know, everything I've bought, show me some stuff. I'm here to drop some cash. Um, and they were like, no, you have to go and find it. Go into the electronic section, see if you can find the thing that you want. You're going to have to work for the deal. I'm like, no. I'm not going to do that. I knew there were a few things that I knew that I wanted to get and I went and searched them out. Yeah. Um, I, so I, those, I was like, great. They're on, there were Amazon products. I mean, there are so many Amazon products now. It's, it's, that's also crazy, but you know, deals, good deals. What are, like, what, the product discovery what, is, it's horrific. What, what are the top three things that you were searching for? I'm just curious. I was looking for, or um, a new mesh network for my house. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Eero, I have which, one which, of those. Which, which they which they bought. Which they bought, yeah. So they bought that, and then I was buy. I wanted to get a security system as well. Um, so I went with the Ring security system, which they bought. Which they bought, um, and I wanted to get some headphones, for, uh, Bluetooth headphones. Um, 
because I because I know you have the the Bose Q, QC thirty fives, um, and I was like, well, I want to maybe get some of those, or maybe because they were like they've been around a while. Excellent yeah. headphones, two hundred bucks, very good deal. I didn't get those yet, but they don't. Amazon doesn't own that. So out of the two of the three things that I wanted to get, I was was buying Amazon products on sale. Incredible. I only bought one of them though, so um, I might have to buy other things later today, including the drone. Yeah, you can send me the link to that one. Hook me up. Hook me up, brother. Well, that was uh, that was uh, my my experience was a little different in that I had nothing that I wanted to buy, <laughs> and uh, actually I forgot that Amazon's. I knew that they were having this Prime Day, and they did a nice little integration with Whole Foods, where they basically which they own, which um, they own, where they said go and buy some food at Whole Foods, and if you spend ten dollars, we'll give you ten dollars towards Prime Day, which is. Man, what a trigger! Because I'm a glutton for what these. Like, it's like free money. Like, I'm gonna buy f- stuff at Whole Foods anyway. Um, and then I remember, yeah. like, man, I have this ten dollars. I'm gonna spend it, but I just didn't remember the dates. Of course, Amazon advertises this thing on every channel that I'm on. So yeah. I was like, oh man, I have this ten dollars. End up going and spending that ten dollars, and then five hundred and ninety dollars on top of that. So the intended <laughs> yeah. the the intended impact of Amazon uh, was achieved was achieved I, I mean that's i mean that's amazing it's talk about like giving ten dollars and receiving like 60x i mean that's yeah. that's it's great um oh, the uh, other thought that i had was not only are brands competing for sales but um publications are i don't know if it's affiliate but for them to have like wired bon appetit like anyone that's anyone writing content was like, here are top prime deals for today for whatever vertical they're in. Like Bon Appetit was like, here's the best like Le Creuset pot you can get. Here's a knife. Here's a vegetable slicer. Here's a pan. I'm like, everyone's like, go to Prime Day. It's a total affiliate. Uh, Amazon Amazon was one of the first affiliate platforms. I might be corrected by our affiliate experts, but I think they launched their affiliate program something like 20 years ago. And uh, it's, it's clearly everyone just piles on because they can generate some revenue and they're just getting, so going back to that other uh, platform we were talking about playbook, they're just getting free advertising yep. from top free publications. It's incredible. It's absolutely yeah. incredible. It's incredible. All right. What else do we have on deck? Right. We've got, um, so I was on LinkedIn as, as you do during the day, um, looking at uh, other people posting their content, which is which is delightful. Um, and I saw the story that um, was from someone who had applied to Headspace, mm-hmm. got a rejection letter. Um, they went back to their mentor, who I'm sure has many very interesting LinkedIn style stories on their page. And they said, "No, you're not going to take no for an answer. You're gonna you're gonna go back. You're gonna show show like you're worth it." So they sent squishy orange squishy balls to eight of the headspace leadership with their resume and you know then eventually got offered the job and i thought that was like uh, there's nuance to it that i don't know that they're not sharing i just thought it was a really weird way to take a rejection because there's one thing about not giving up and then there's there's another of I'm privileged and I deserve this job because I want the job and therefore I need to, you know, show people that I'm I'm worth it by sending them squishy balls and my resume. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I was just like, I'm sure there's nuance, but, you know, getting screened by an, uh, you know, like a junior recruiter for a role and you don't get to meet anyone who's actually going to hire you um, or anyone senior management who's going to hire you for the senior position is one thing, but I'm sure. And I, and I feel like that's probably what it was, but like, where, where does being, you know, taking no for an answer and knowing that you got shortchanged for something and just like being obnoxious and not taking no for an answer. Like where, where is the line in that? I think we live in a culture um, that has been teaching us to not take a no for an answer because we, I think Americans in general, um, especially this generation, our generation have uh, grown up uh, in a culture of exceptionalism. Um, You know, you get awards for participation, you know, you're being told that you're great and capable of doing absolutely anything uh, from an early age. And, uh, you know, these are, it's, it's just part of the cultural fabric, even if it's not necessarily true. And I know what you and I are touching on are probably things that not everyone will agree with, but it, I think it stems from the fact that, you know, by and large, um, by, statistically we're average, right? Because if everyone was exceptional, yeah. Uh, well, the world wouldn't exist. Um, I think most of us mm-hmm. uh, fall into some, you know, we, we all have our th- things that make us unique, but just because we're unique doesn't make us exceptional. But I think this, it's this belief coupled with uh, what you touched on, um, this privilege. Um, and I'm just yeah. kind of thinking about it, less about this applicant and more about Headspace or any other employer who took the bait. Because... What does it speak about that this person may have had, you know, a background or financial resources to pull off a stunt like this, you know, sent 800 balls. I don't know how much 800 balls cost uh, squishy balls, but let's assume they cost 50 cents, you know, each. Like they had 400 bucks to spare uh, while looking for a job to do something like this. And I think about uh, the precedent that it sends and what it makes someone feel who comes from a background where... $400 $400 might be the difference between making rent and not making rent or putting, you know, feeding their kids uh, or uh, paying their medical bills. Why are yeah. they, why are they uh, then, um, how do they compete? That's my question. It's not a level playing field. It's a playing field and that, uh, that elevates the haves and depresses the have nots. Um, I think that there are other ways to stand out. I think that there are other ways to, you know, if you truly believe that you you were passed on um, in bad faith, uh, there are other ways to make uh, your voice be heard. But just buying your way into it, using your privilege, yeah, smells smells rotten to me. Yeah, like buying your way into an interview um, is spending the money in order to get noticed to go for an interview is it is not right and i think the hiring managers there or the people who accepted it or who thought this was a brilliant idea is um i think it sets a really bad precedent for the rest of their hires than you know people who struggle and it's, it's hard to say that for as a you know white guy in my early 30s but it's you know it and i d- definitely don't know what it's like but i can't imagine that it's it it, it makes them look good and this story was about not giving up but it felt more like a story of you know you can do it if you have the money to do it 
Um, I have a different twist on on the uh, stories of not giving up, and um, yep. this is more about uh, kind of the struggle around becoming successful. Um, and there's this whole, um, I guess, movement that has uh, been started by one Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V, oh. um, who um, you know I think has been pushing this ag- agenda that if you're not struggling. Uh, you're not succeeding. I'm paraphrasing mm-hmm. here. And clearly he has um, appealed to a lot of people uh, who listen to him and who uh, believe in what he says. But this kind of general th- theme of, you know, forget everything else in your life. Like success can only be achieved if you put 1000% of yourself into it and for, like and put everything else to the side personal life, relationships, um, hobbies, friends, friends, you know, travel experiences, all of these things. And it's not an, it's not, a, it's not a new story. It's something, it's something that I've read about and heard uh, of, you know, some, some time ago, but because you brought, brought up this whole idea of um, overcoming the odds, I just, um, I just feel like this, again, there are people who are um, evangelizing a culture that is really inherently unhealthy um, yeah. if, if the world is telling you to like, stop, it's sort of like, uh, you feel pain for a reason. Your body says, okay, stop doing the thing that you're doing to me because it's going to harm me permanently. It's kind of like the, the equivalent of that. It's, I'm not, I'm not here to say that you shouldn't overcome yourself in certain instances and you shouldn't overcome the odds and shouldn't push beyond the pain threshold on occasion, but to have that as your kind of like life mantra, uh, for how you start a business, for how to you you live your life, man, that just kind of feels like it's wrong. Yeah, like the the stories you hear of like working till four a.m., getting up at six, is the only way that you can build a business, and it's the hustle, hustle, hustle culture. That is the way that you're gonna succeed. I mean, there are people who do that, like The Rock, for example. You know, you follow him on Instagram. He's in the gym at four thirty every day, and he's an exceptional. He overcame a lot from his story but he's an exceptional human being and he will sacrifice what he wants to sacrifice. But that kind of mentality doesn't apply to normal everyday people. You know, I, I just, I just feel like there are some people who can do it and there are other people who, you know, most people who won't and telling people who won't that the only way they're going to succeed is by putting in all of the time and effort and everything is the only way that you can live your life is it's a dangerous is dangerous yeah it's dangerous i i think it's just um society functions when there is um when there is a certain balance and i think this inherently throws things um out of balance um again we'll probably have people who disagree with us but uh, i think to give people uh, Send over that feedback. Let's get yes. this discussion going. Come yeah. on. Uh, also, I think you brought up one, one other good thing. Uh, the Rock. Um, I think the general r- rule of thumb is if you don't fit onto my iPhone screen, so if you're Chris Hemsworth or The Rock and you don't and, and you don't fit onto my iPhone screen, you're the exception to the rule. If you fit onto my iPhone screen, you're not the exception to the rule. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah. All right, my friend. I think this brings this episode of Ad Talk to its logical end um it was great i think so chatting with you about all of these things and i'll see you next week for more banter see you on the next one all right definitely